0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle, and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter.
1: So, welcome. Today we want to discuss the idea of value and what the real value of your stuff is. The entire point of this episode is not to give you something to go away and do, we don't want to instruct you. We more just want to have a discussion about the value of things because it comes up time and time again. And if you're thinking about decluttering or in the process of decluttering, value is something that you will ask yourself.
0: Yeah, it's a conversation that we have with our clients a lot, isn't it, about what is this worth and why is the value of it coming up when we're discussing discarding something what what has value got to do with it and what what really is value and you know you and I have, have chatted Tara about this and there is so much tied up in that word and there's so many mm-hmm. different aspects to it and it's you know it's different ways of looking at it and different angles that you know we wanted to have a little bit of a chat uh about those about those today and
1: we're hoping that you'll go away and start looking then at your items with a well-rounded perspective on value or your own idea of what makes something valuable or not. Beck and I don't have the exact same ideas on what makes something valuable and certainly what's valuable to me is not necessarily valuable to her and it differs for everyone. So mm-hmm. we want you to work out how you can measure the value of your things based on your ideas. So we're gonna. We're going to chat today and explore the idea, have a bit of a discussion around it rather than following any specific format for our mm. podcast today. I, as <laughs> Which always, we don't tend to yeah, do very well anyway. <laughs> we always start with the plan, but we never quite stick to <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So we're just organic, aren't we?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a so, good word. Good that's, way that's a nice way to put chaotic. it, not it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, so, as always, I've found a quote because I just love my <laughs> quotes, except I cannot pronounce the name of the person who has said this. I'm going to try. Aritra Goswami. Yeah, That's I how I would have said it. Mm. Yeah. I'm not even sure if that's male or female, so I do apologise. Um, but Aritra said, value is imparted by each person differently for every possible thing that you could name there is no such thing as intrinsic value without some person assigning that value and the next person you ask will assign a different value to whatever was being discussed.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And that's why we have that's why clients have so much difficulty in making decisions sometimes because value is so subjective.
1: Mhm. So, I want to start by talking about value in terms of <laughs> Monetary value because quite often that's where myself Mm. included a lot of people jump to when you look at an item. The first thing that comes to mind is how much you
0: paid for it or how much you could get if you sold it. Mm. Yeah,
1: that's right. And so I think when you're looking at value that way, value is brought about when you exchange things um, or purchase something, you give away whatever you value less. So when you go to work, during the day or at night or whenever you work, you give away your time and your knowledge, which is less valuable to you than the money you receive in return. So you value the money more than your time. So you give away your time and get back the money. And in contrast, your boss or your employer values your skills and your output more than the money. So they take your time and your skills Mm -hmm. and give you the money. So there's this trade of things that are, perceived as less valuable so that's how it works with money and time but then when we start discussing physical stuff and your objects it can get kind of tricky Um, so when we're looking in terms of money only money doesn't even represent the same value to people either Mm. to buy a pet so i've got an example here to kind of tease that out and unpack the idea of of money as value um, or the value of money so to buy a pair of jeans that cost 300 dollars, uh, lucy may have had to trade three hours of her wage so in that case lucy's earning a hundred dollars an hour and then the 15 minutes of time it takes her to search for those jeans online order them purchase them and exit her internet browser so the value for that pair of jeans for Lucy is three hours worth of her wage or her time at work and 15 extra minutes of her time at home or on the internet so that is her initial investment the initial value to Lucy now if Sarah wanted to buy the exact same pair of jeans but only earned $25 per hour are the jeans worth the same to Sarah as Lucy, that pair of jeans for Sarah would be valued at 12 hours of Sarah's wage plus the 15-minute searching time. So does that make the jeans more valuable to Sarah than to Lucy? Because Sarah had to trade more. She had to trade 12 hours of her time to get a $300 item and Lucy Mm -hmm. only had to trade three hours of her time. But surely the value of the jeans is still $300 but then if you look at it even further, what if Lucy is mega wealthy, doesn't even notice the $300 gone from her bank account? Um, that's just a drop in the ocean for her. But Sarah has had to live on beans on toast for five weeks to save the money and and, and scrimp and save to pay the $300 for, for those jeans. So then the value of the jeans, technically, if you're looking at it just in terms of money, is still $300. But to one person, that value is so much greater than the other. And then if you go further, what if Lucy wears the jeans once, they're not really her style, she doesn't like the way they sit, and so she puts them at the back of her cupboard and doesn't wear them again. Are they still an item of value? But what if Sarah wears the jeans every second day for a whole year because she loves them, they're perfect? Does the value of those jeans then increase for Sarah? Or are both of the pairs of jeans still valued at $300?
0: Mm. And that brings up all these questions about the difference between value and cost Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, as well because the cost of the jeans was $300 but the value to each of those two different imaginary people is very different. It cost Sarah a lot more to buy those $300 jeans than it cost Lucy. And so, you know, that brings up the whole idea of, you know, the difference between value and, and cost um, as well and, and the idea of return on investment, which, you know, one might talk about a little bit later.
1: Yeah, so I guess the point of that is to plant the seed that when you are looking at items and trying to work out their value, you need to stop with the the price tag because mm. quite often that is our initial place to jump to, is this teacup valuable? It cost me $12.50. No, 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 that's not the value. That That's what was paid for it. But actually that money alone, that exchange is not a determinant of its value because $12.50 mm-hmm. to one person is different to another. And so I feel like, yeah. yeah, we need to tease that out and take away the the price tag yeah. as our single determinant
0: of whether an item is valuable or not sure and, and and it just just then when you were speaking, I just you know had another thought of how um discounts can for some reason increase the value of something because if you are walking past a sign that says twenty dollars down from a hundred dollars, then for some reason, that then becomes so valuable that you have to buy it, even though it wasn't on your list and it wasn't anything that you had imagined that you needed. But it became so valuable at that point, um, even more valuable than it had just been marked at $100 or if it had just been marked at $20. That combination of real price and discounted price just makes things seem instantly more valuable mm-hmm. in a non non. Oh, it's a non-economic way like it's not valuable in that you know okay so it's down to twenty dollars it's a hundred dollars down to twenty dollars the thing going through your mind isn't that oh i'm gonna get this is really valuable and it's worth a lot of money that's not what you're thinking you're thinking this is worth more than what i'm paying for it i'm getting a bargain and then the bargain becomes valuable does that make mm-hmm. sense Mm-hmm. And that's what, and it's a bargain that makes us buy some things as well. So that that was just a sidebar that popped in my head when you mentioned the teacup. I thought cheap things have really great draw to them, and so that it becomes an an elevated value. It makes that that value become so much larger than what it really is.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think then there's there's layers to value, like we've discussed, and because. Then you can add in sentimental value, Mm. and that's that's a whole other level on its own. Because what if something's a gift, so you haven't paid anything for it, or a family heirloom that has been passed down through generations? So there's no value to be assigned to that, no cost, no price tag, but there's there's something intrinsically valuable because it's been around for a long time, well, Mm. then there might be items that are actually priceless. It's a bit of memorabilia from an event. And I've got an example here. Like it might be the doll your great-grandmother gave you on your fourth birthday, um, a recipe book passed down through your family for five generations, or a ticket stub from a Beatles concert. Those things, Mm. if you were just looking at the price tag, might be worth uh, monetarily
0: very little but their sentimental value is huge. Mm. Homemade things. Homemade things have often no monetary value. No one else wants them. So if no one else wants them, they've got no monetary value. But they still have great value. You know, the the piece of paper with your baby's first handprint, on it mm-hmm. is just a piece of paper with some paint on it from a um, purely monetary perspective. No one is going to buy that from you. And so it's not worth any money at all, but it is worth a great deal to you sentimentally.
1: Mm. And so then when you you can't equate that item to the number of hours you had to work to get it mm. or the time you um, expelled getting to that point the sacrifices made well maybe sacrifices when it comes to a baby but but that value that sentimental value just is so then how do you measure that and when you're decluttering things how can you say you know right I've got that piece of paper with the baby's handprint. I've got this recipe book I've got the ticket stub from the Beatles concert I've you know I've got all these things I don't have room for them all how do you pit that value against Mm. each other
0: it's a million dollar question mm. um, because we we can't just, just go, oh, well, I'll just declutter everything that doesn't have a monetary value or mm-hmm. I'll just declutter everything that doesn't have a sentimental value. And, um, you know, we need to by putting value into our decluttering decision or sorry, by putting cost or monetary value into our decision-making process, it throws it all out of whack. And I think really the key is to just remove it altogether. And that's what I say to clients all the time is just forget the dollar value. Forget what you paid for it or forget what someone might buy it from you for. Forget that um, because we need to figure out what its real value is. That's it. And
1: I think we need to get our heads around the fact that there's no universal measure that we can assign Mm. on a value scale. You cannot... You, there's not a number you can assign between 1 and 10 for items in your house that are of, val- mm. of value that you put next to each other and go, well, that's a 3 and that's a 4. I'll yeah. keep the
0: yeah. I'll keep the 4. Because um, and someone else in your house might walk up and go, don't be silly, that's not a 4, that's a 7. Mm. <laughs> and it's like they're a completely, you know, because everybody's got completely different um, ideas because we're all looking at value through our very own filter. That's it. So do you want to explore the idea
1: of return on investment then?
0: Yeah, this is one of my favourite ways to help people decide what stays and what goes in their house and and that's the, the the return on investment. And obviously return on investment from an economical term basically says what do you get back for the money you you invested and what you get back could be more money or it could be you know, time or something. So like your, your return on investment for uh, a car is, you know, the amount of, money that you can earn driving to work every day. So that car gets you to work or it could be uh, the savings that you make on public transport or it could be uh, even an intangible thing like the prestige that you have from owning a car or a certain type of car or something. So you know that everything everything that we bring into our homes has a return on investment and whether we paid for the item or it came it's we're still going to have a return on investment because either our investment was very little because it was given to us or it was very great because we paid uh, money and time for it but either way everything that comes into a house will have a positive or a negative return. And so I think that using that return idea to help you decide whether or not something is valuable um, can be quite useful because the whole idea of having things is for our well-being. So it's either to be useful or it is to make us feel good. Uh, and they're the main reasons why we have things. And so if you've got things in your house that aren't useful or that don't make you feel good then they're not actually returning you anything from your investment and your investment could be simply the the dusting that you do of that particular item uh, or it could be finding a home for it cleaning it uh, it moving it around uh, all those kinds of things that you have to do for for items or the return the, or the investment that you put into it could be folding it every t- um, time you wash it and putting it away there's that time that you put into it um, and so, you know, we we invest a lot into our stuff and we need to look, what is that giving back? And you have some of our items that are in the black and they give back more than they take from us. But then we have lots of items that are in the red and they actually take from us far more than they give. So the items in your wardrobe that you never wear, they're taking up that space. They are reminding you that you don't fit into them anymore or they are reminding you that you spent $400 on, a, you know, a ridiculous item of clothing that you've worn once and then decided it's too embarrassing to wear again so those things are in the red because they're taking more than what they give so if you can see, you know, that model actually helps people quite quite well. And when I'm in workshops, I actually draw it because I draw a line and then we put dots above the line and we put dots below the line depending on whether the item gives or takes more. So all of the things, all of the dots that are below the line, every item that ends up below the line of value, um, that should be culled because they're not giving back to you what what they're taking from you and all the ones above uh, are ones that could stay.
1: Yeah, I, I've had some clients in my time that... I cannot shift past the, the monetary value. Yeah. And especially when there are items that don't expire or they don't naturally degrade. I mean, people that have got old food in their pantries, yes, they, they paid $2 for the can of beans. But when you say, well, that can of beans was used by 1992, that brings them to a point of going, okay, yep, I can let it go. But when it's a tablecloth, that takes up very little room in the big house they have, they don't see those items as taking anything from them. It's not consuming a lot of space. It's not like having a surfboard sitting in the lounge room. It's it's a small amount of space and all they say and all they can see is, I paid $64 mm. for that 12 years ago and it's my, it's my special one. It will come out on good occasions. And you ask them how many good occasions there's been. Oh, it's come out twice. For two mm-hmm. Christmases, we posted. That's it. You say, well, you know, shall we let it go? But I spent a lot of money, and it's some people cannot get past the dollar figure, and it can be really, really tricky and a real sticking point.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it does make sense. Like it's logical, and I've I've had the same objection pop up in my mind as well. Um, you know, I've got some jeans, and when I buy jeans, I I spend uh, about two hundred dollars on my jeans because I like to buy an ethical brand and they fit me quite well. And $200 is expensive for some and not expensive for others. I know that it's, you know, completely subjective. But to me, that's a fair amount of money to spend on clothes because I'm not a really big clothes spender. But with my jeans. So when I (laughs) hit my 40s (laughs) and got too big for a certain pair of jeans, I have struggled so much to part with those. So initially I gave them to Zoe and I said, you know, you can have these jeans, look after them. They're expensive and I love them. And she grew out of them herself within a year. And so she gave them back to me and I can't fit into them and I'll never fit into them again. I've just spread and that's fine. Um, I'll never fit into them again. And I tried to sell them online because I just could not get the whole value thing out of my head and no one would buy them. And I finally found a solution. I've got uh, a friend who's Tiny enough to fit into them, and um, and I'm going to give them to her. But you know, f- I couldn't get past it either, and so I can see why I can see why other people can't get past it for, for lots of things, um, because I just didn't I just didn't want that money that I invested to be wasted, and so I can mm. understand why why people would see that. And I mean, I'm still happy to give it. Like I'm not selling them, selling them to Christy. I'm giving them to her. But but for me, that that's okay because you know, giving my one of my best friends that that amount of money or value is fine for me giving it away i had a real trouble with and and i can like that's to me that when i'm when i'm processing it in my head it seems really selfish and silly but so i can but it did happen to me and so i can understand why it happens to others yeah and i think it can be
1: really confronting when you're decluttering a whole room or a whole house because it's not just it's not just a pair of jeans Mm. or a tablecloth or a can of beans it's you know, dozens of items that they're letting go of. And then there's this quote um, that goes comes around on Instagram every so often, which is, um, look around you, all that clutter used to be money. And that always gets a big response because it's so true. When you look at the items that are currently cluttering up your home, all those things did used to be cash in your pocket. Or in someone um, else's pocket, yeah. Or in someone else's pocket. And then you think... And then when you lump them together, you put all the items that you're thinking of letting go in one pile, and go right. That pile took twelve hundred dollars out of my bank account. You know, mm. but it comes back to the the whole idea that just keeping an item in your house doesn't recover that cost. If yeah, you don't exactly. use it or you don't love it, it you're not getting any value from that. There's no return mm. on investment, um, or no positive return on investment. So mm. I think. We've tried to narrow it down to a few ideas that, where you can ascertain something's value other than looking at the price tag. And so one of them, which Marie Kondo would probably be singing and dancing about <laughs> that I've got written here, is creates joy. I didn't say sparks. I said creates. Yeah. Um, so that joy. I mean, I look at you know a piece of art on the work on the wall. It's not functional. It's not. Uh, bringing cash into my home it's not helping me in any way but it creates joy because it's beautiful mm-hmm. so um you know something can be valuable because it brings joy through beauty or through function or through a memory that it evokes in you so um you can get value out of an item that way mm-hmm. uh, could create happiness, um, so an item that gives you energy or makes you laugh or feel warm and fuzzy for whatever reason, uh, or an item that makes your life easier. So, um, like we said, functionality—something really useful—or makes a process in your home less burdensome. So, I think they're key ways. If you ask yourselves. You know, does this item create joy? Does it create happiness? Does it make my life easier? Mm -hmm. What is it giving back to me? That's a really clear way to
0: find whether something in your home has value. Yeah. Yeah. And then conversely, you know, there are those things that are not valuable. And so if you're looking at an item trying to make a decision about its value or whether it stays and goes um you know ask yourself you know what is that what is it telling me and how is it making me feel um you know do i feel regret or guilt um do i feel a sensation of being burdened by this item guilt is a massive one guilt takes away um it really reduces your your roi on on items it really drags it down mm-hmm. quite a bit um you know does it does it take up space in your home for no good no good reason? You know, is it just there but it's not actually giving back to you at all? Um, is it a, you know, a large amount of space for a small amount of, of return? You know, is it something that you don't necessarily love? Uh, does it drain your energy? That's like a really big one too. You know, does it take up your mental or physical energy without giving anything in return? You know, obviously... Back to Mari Kondo, you know, she says, does it spark joy? And you know, as we talked about with the proper translation, is, you know, does it does it give you like a throb or an urgency to use it? Um, and if it doesn't, then it, it doesn't have have that the, any value. And so those all of those ways of assessing value, none of those take into account the actual physical monetary cost of the item. And it makes it much easier for you to make a decision based on your own well-being rather than on um, what whatever was paid for that particular item.
1: We've come up with a couple of examples of valuable items in our homes just to help you think about things that have true value. And I've tried to I know with mine and I'm sure Bet you the same, tried to come up with a few diverse things that aren't it's not about the price tag. My, it's not about the most expensive items in my home, but things that I get real value from. So, one of mine is a christening gown. Now, this um, it's worth a chuckle because <laughs> no one in my family wants to hold on to it. I'm the keeper of the gown because everyone's so worried about losing it or damaging it. Um, but my grandmother said, "Tara, I think you need to be the keeper of the gown because it mm-hmm. was my grandmother." So all of the people on my side of the family, you know, my brother all my nieces and nephews, my kids, my cousins and their children, um, my dad, his brother and sister, they everyone has worn this christening gown for their christening. And it's not that it was a really expensive gown when it was bought, it's just the fact that it's become a... Uh, part of our family. It's We had a um, photo at my nephew's christening. It must be, a few, well, it's probably six months ago now. And it was a photo of all the people that were there on the day that had all worn the christening gown. And it was a really special photo because mm-hmm. it was multi-generational. And so I am the keeper of this gown. So this item in my house has a lot of value, but it's not because it costs a lot. I'm sure we could get another christening gown made Mm. that looks that replicates that that doesn't cost the earth but it's the fact that there's a story with it and that story Mm. is valuable so that for me is a really valuable item in our house um my shower squidgy (laughs) now this is a funny item it probably cost a dollar fifty maybe um but it it adds amazing functionality (laughs) to our space i Love the shower squeegee, because it means I have to clean the shower glass half as much as I used to, so mm-hmm. although it is really easy to replace, I could get one for less than five dollars in less than five minutes from my house, it is an item of value because it makes my life easier mm-hmm. um, and and the return on investment for that is huge because I didn't spend a lot of money, but it adds so much. Mm. And um, the third item I came up with is a bit of street art that was done in um, New York. It's a caricature of myself and one of my best friends when we were on a girls' trip to New York City. And it's no one would ever pay money for this because it's a picture of us with our tiny bodies and our massive heads (laughs) and the (laughs) New York City skyline in the background. But I have it up in our walk-in wardrobe and it I look at it and there's so many memories attached to that and mm-hmm. lots of laughs. And for me that is quite priceless. It adds a lot to me, makes me giggle, makes me smile. Mm. Um, price tag, I don't know what we paid for it, maybe 20 US dollars maybe, but it's not about that. Mm. Um, and it's one of those things for me that's almost, you know, it's irreplaceable. I have the memories inside of me but I love that that piece of art, um evokes them when I when I see it. So they're three things for me, very different things that all add value in my life.
0: Yeah. What about you, Beck? Um so when you first suggested this, I really struggled and I texted I texted Tara and I said, I'm struggling to come up with like three. You've come up with three really good ones and I can't, you know, think of any. And so Tara gave me a bit of a prompt and it did help me a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, so my, my the first one that I thought of would be a chess set. Um, now, this chess set is it's made of jade and it was bought by my grandparents in the early 70s in Acapulco when they were on holiday not long before I was born and it spent when it came back they gave it when they came back they gave it to my dad as a gift and then my mum got dad uh, made the board so he had all the pieces and then mum got a leather board made by a local um, maker in, in Mildura and uh, so you've got this leather chess board and these jade pieces. And then mum passed that on to Zoe, gave that to Zoe when she was interested in chess when she was little and I've claimed it as my own. Um, Zoe would argue with me that it's hers but it's really mine. She'll have it when I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and And so that, I don't know how much it's worth. I've got no idea how much it's worth but it's, it's one of those things that was in – it's part of the landscape of my childhood. It was always mm-hmm. set up in the lounge room when I was growing up and it's just so incredibly familiar to me. And, we, you know, we used it and we played chess on it. you know, we're not – none of us are fantastic chess players. I'm not that great. Ethan beats me all the time. But – you know, it's still. I remember Dad teaching me how to play, and I remember us playing um, playing chess. And so I have that sort of on display in our house as well because I like seeing it all the time, and um, it's a reminder of my my childhood and my grandparents and my dad and mum. And you know, it's a lot wrapped up in in that um, in that chess set. So that's sort of well, my first item. Um, my second is my bullet journal, and that. It hasn't cost me much at all. It's got a cover that cost me about $50 and the journal inside it cost me close to $50 as well. So if you sort of looked at the monetary value of this, it would be, you know, hundred bucks. Um, But the value of it has gone down because obviously the cover is a bit grotty and the notebook on the inside is now half full. So no one would pay any money for any of that. But I use it every day and with my appalling memory, if I didn't have that, I would be letting down far more people than I already do let down (laughs) because I would be forgetting things and losing things and not being able to keep track of anything. And so it sort of helps me on a day-to-day basis remember everything that I need to do. But it also is, is keeping records of my life. So it's also a record of things that... Uh, I've done and uh, art that I've drawn, and things I've been interested in at the time, and my favorite movie at the time, and music I'm currently listening to, and podcasts I'm currently listening to. So, all of that is recorded. So, it's for me also a little bit of a record of my life. So, it has great value in that sense as well. And it's also a great creative outlet. So, you know, on Sunday night, I in my bullet journal, I sat down and I did a couple of sketches um, of. These 1960s fashion models, and so just little little things like that, I, I get a bit of a, a kick out of as well, and I get great value from having that time to do my art. And my last one is really vain, <laughs> and it was actually Tara's suggestion. I think she knows me well. Um, <laughs> my hair straightener, and it's particularly um, poignant at the moment because it my hair straightener died, and I had to return it, and they haven't given me one back yet. So I'm using like a travel one, which doesn't work very well. So I've actually not been using my straightener. But interestingly, my straightener actually saves me so much time because I have really fine hair and if I have to just blow dry it to the point where I'm happy with it and it looks like there's enough hair on my head to go about my day, that takes me a really long time. Whereas if I've got my straightener, I can give it a quick blow dry and then give it a quick um curl and it's it's done so I can either spend 10 minutes blow drying and straightening or I can spend you know half an hour blow drying and still not get the satisfaction of you know what I want so that saves me loads of time every day um, my my straightener I do love it and I'm missing it so much at the moment so I'm gonna have to get onto these people so I can get my replacement <laughs> well I saw a
1: photo of you the other day very good so whatever you're doing it's working
0: oh and I see that no, that was that was a bad <laughs> hair day, Tara. <laughs> uh, oh,
1: I like it though because so those six items that we've mentioned could probably not be more diverse. <laughs> but I think that's the whole point of this is that there is no one way to measure value of objects in your house. So if you're decluttering your kitchen or you're decluttering your wardrobe or you're decluttering the cupboard that holds all those sentimental items, you need to work out what the value of those things are mm. and, and take the price tag away from it and start looking at what you get back from that item. And, and it's different for you from the other members of your household and it's probably different from the person down the street and it would be different to us as well. Yeah. So work out what's truly important for you when you're decluttering and stop just thinking about what you paid at the checkout for that item. For sure.
0: This week's challenge actually for once is a little bit related to the topic although I think that this topic could be related to just about anything so maybe I don't need to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So this week's challenge is birthday and Christmas cards so if you've got a little stash of birthday and Christmas cards or a large stash of birthday and Christmas cards, perhaps you can practice your new application of value on these cards by having a look and seeing if they give back to you what they take from you in space around your house and declutter those that don't give give you the value that you need. So anything that, you know, cards that are from people you don't see anymore or you don't know, go and cull them. They're fine to put into the recycling. You don't have to sort of worry about where they're going to go. They'll be able to be recycled and uh, it shouldn't take you too long. And if you've got loads, just spend, you know, a little bit of time poking through and pulling some out. You don't necessarily have to go through the whole lot because any reduction that you make will be um, worth it. Thanks for joining
1: us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via facebook and instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com